Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And welcome along to episode two of the Keen Odyssey 2. Welcome members of the Iron Violins Society. Society who have subscribed, and if you're listening to this in November, you've just had it released it's, it's free to air it's old and grubby now all the catchphrases and that are just old hat yeah and basically you're a fucking skin flint and we you, want nothing to do with you. you you basically you've waited for the book to come to your local library it's the equivalent of that you've gone down like a year after it's come out it's in the library it's got a tatty old plastic cover on it it smells of farts yeah it's like and, rather than watch it at the cinema you've waited it to come on channel five late at night yeah and uh, everyone stopped talking about it's it. Covered in, it's covered in grub and it germs. Of farts. Yeah. Or maybe disgusting. that's you. Yeah. You probably smell of farts the way you're living your life. Why don't you take a look at yourself? Take a fucking look at yourself. <laughs> three three quid a month. It's nothing. Right. right. Okay. So Roy's been rejected. He, he's uh, A trial hasn't worked out for him for, at Brighton. Yeah. He feels like his football career is not going to take off. Yeah, so he filled he, his exam at school. He's in a bit of a, um, a no man's land. He says, uh, gutted, I slipped into a kind of half-life. Wow. Fucking hell. Again, that's Dunphy, isn't it? Yeah. I was Would just fucking... Dunphy, I was just fucking sick of everything all the time. I couldn't I be bothered fu- to go out. I couldn't be bothered to stay in. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning sometimes. Would you say he might have been depressed? No, I fucking wasn't depressed. Don't be ridiculous. Take that back, you cunt. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Did you feel sad? No, I've never felt sad in my life. Sadness is for the weak. Would I you... felt confused, yes. Frustrated, yes. Angry, but never sad, never depressed. I'll tell you what, Roy. I'll put down half-life and I might change it later on. I yeah. don't know what that means, but yeah. whatever. Just make sure you don't say I was sad, because I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I slipped into a kind of half-life, drifting aimlessly through long, dull days. I got out of bed at one o'clock for the day's first treat. The latest episode of Neighbours, wow. which was screened at one thirty. Yeah, I Again, remember that. Again, a little bit well, more information than we needed. A bit of padding there from Dunphy. Well, should we just quickly try to pinpoint what kind of year this likely was? Mid-80s. He was born 71. This was about when he was 14 or 15, so we're looking at 86. 86. So Neighbours was still in its infancy. So, yeah, it kind of started about when it first came over. I think. So I think this is probably before Plain Gin. Super Brain, Super brain. Along, but it might maybe. have been, I think Kylie might have been in it. Yeah, just there's, about. A, there's a reference to Kylie later on, so yeah. yeah. So Kylie and Jason were in it, probably Mike. Yeah. Um, what was that ginger fella called? Mike was out of Memento. Oh, yeah. Clive, he was Clive, in it as well. Clive the cunt. Um, <laughs> Daphne. And, oh, Daphne. And De- was it? De- she, was yeah, it? she was shacked up with Des. That Des. was implausible. He was a fucking loser. Hell. He was well, a loser, she, wasn't he? She could have done better than him. Don't Jesus. know, because she died, remember, and then I yeah. think he had to raise the their kid on his own. Did he? I think she might have died during childbirth. 
Yeah, I think she might have done. I think she might have died during childbirth. And he was. Anyway, this was the sort of shit that Roy was having to cope with. Have you seen this? Ma'am, have you seen this stuff that's going on down in Australia? It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> The poor bastard, I don't know how I'm feeling I'm feeling upset for him for old Des. <laughs> His wife's died, the, the baby's got no mammy. I wonder if he's an Irish fella, it's quite an Irish name. He doesn't have the accent though. What's he doing down there in the first place? Must Going have been all the way to Australia. Must have done something wrong. I'll never do nothing wrong, mammy, I tell you that. That's a vow. <laughs> I tell you what, I feel peculiar when that uh, Charlene comes on the screen though. Have you seen her? She's a lady, but she's just like a little fella. <laughs> they let her work on the cars. <laughs> down in the mechanic's place. I we, don't, it makes Mommy, no sense. Can we get a car? <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got a new car ruling the family. If I had a car, I'd drive it all the way to Australia. And I'd go up Ramsey Street and I'd ask that Charlene to fix it for me. <laughs> It'd be grand. Which road do I need to go on to get to, to, get to Australia? <laughs> End of the street, and then I, I guess it'll be take a right. Take a right, I I've think that's the down. And then five hours, then you're in Australia. <laughs> Excuse me, do you know the way to Ramsey Street? <laughs> neighbours, everybody needs good fucking neighbours. <laughs> so, uh, after he'd watched Neighbours, he'd walk his dog Ben, a black mongrel who had replaced Lucky, another mongrel, so called because he was a stray who we figured was lucky to find Arkane. <laughs> Weird. herself as Arkane here. Mm. I thought it said R. Kelly at first. Which right, is coming even up worse. now, best line of the book so far. Would you like to deliver it, Sam? <laughs> I loved my dogs, really adored them, and still do to this day. <clears throat> Unlike people, dogs don't talk shite. <laughs> yeah. He's right as well. Right. Write this down. Is your pencil sharpened? We'll fucking sharpen it then. Because you want it sharp for this This bit. is staying in. I don't, Are you none ready? of your fucking changes. Don't I put be, this down don't as I see it. Don't put flourishes in. This is how it goes. Dogs don't talk shite. And actually, come to think of it, we should maybe make that the title of this book. <laughs> <laughs> Even them films that Disney put out with the talking dogs in. The dogs in them films are generally quite clever and insightful, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find. And they're not, they won't bullshit you. They won't lie. Even if they're not smart, they're not going to lie. And they're not going to talk shit about themselves, making all the grand claims. <laughs> he false promises. <laughs> and he says, he goes on, he says, they won't betray you or otherwise let you down. It's like a lyric, this. What you give, you get back and more. This isn't true. As you're a current <laughs> dog owner, I've yeah. been a dog owner in the yeah. past. And we, I love dogs. Yeah, I do as well. But just not what that, he's not saying that is much the one I've got at the minute. What he's saying <laughs> is just evident. It's just not true. No, if you want to go on holiday, you've got to try and find someone to look after them. Yeah. It's a pain in the arse. They do let you down on a daily basis. Like, I woke up this morning, mine had pissed on the kitchen floor because he wouldn't go out for a piss last thing last and night. And did you feel let down? I felt really let yeah. down. Yeah. As did I you feel almost betrayed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. It betrayed you. Also, what you give, you get back. No. Nope. You take your dog for walks and you feed it. Yep. Your dog does fuck all for you. Yeah. Really? If anything, it makes me feel uncomfortable by sitting too close to me <laughs> on the sofa. <laughs> so. Dogs are lovable, but not for any of the reasons Roy Keane claims. <laughs> yeah. They each have a character that's distinct to them. That's true. That's true. kind of a get out. So um, he just obviously hasn't had a dog that's been annoying. 
For the for me, the most magical of all electric. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> this is amazing. Goes on a, goes on a diatribe about dogs. For me, the most magical of all their traits is that your dog won't know or care if you're the captain of Manchester United. I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Or an unemployed, uneducated 16-year-old wannabe pro footballer. My dog never knew. And at times, I'll admit, it did annoy me that the dog didn't know I was captain of Manchester United because it meant a lot to me that I was. It was a huge achievement and the dog didn't seem to give a fuck. I treated me with the respect I deserved. I'd often tell him about my my, uh, triumphs on the football field, but he just didn't seem to pay attention. He, he never brought them up in conversation at a later <laughs> date. Jigs, Jigs, did you see me on the TV last night? I scored two goals against Juventus. I got us into the fucking final of the Champions League. Got a second yellow though. I'm not going to play in the fucking final. <laughs> what kind of a fucking answer is that? Do you know what you are, Triggs? You're fucking jealous and it's embarrassing to watch. You're fucking jealous of me because you never kicked a ball in your life. You English cunt. <laughs> Um, walking Ben was the best part of my day I still loved my football and trained and played with the same enthusiasm despite sensing that an important opportunity had last maybe the last I'd get I never drew the dole for the simple reason you had to be 18 to qualify so he's never took any handouts from anyone mm. well apart from his family which he says here Dennis and Johnson would also sub me from time to time money was a problem my father and mother and father didn't have much yet they never really saw me short I took the odd labouring job when one could be found the easiest of these was in Galvin's off-licence in Blackpool. Mm. Must be Blackpool Island. It's got to be Blackpool in Cork. Yeah, Blackpool in Cork. You should have mentioned that in the book, though. you think mm. Dunphy would have put that in yeah. and squeezed a few more that, words that out of the word remiss. count, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Bad work, Dunphy. So, um, according to a story I read somewhere, he took this job to build my muscles by lugging barrels of beer from the stockroom to the shop. The truth is I took the job for the money. £3.50 an hour. And I spent most of my time stealing Galvin's chocolate to stuff my face. It was just before Christmas. The money was handy. I lasted three weeks. Three fucking weeks I lasted there. Stuffing my face with fucking galaxies and marathon bars. <laughs> Sitting on one of the so-called barrels I was being paid to lump, lump around. Sitting on them <laughs> stuffing chocolate into my face. <laughs> Galvin used to weeks. come in. He'd say to me, right, right, what are you doing sat in that barrel? You should be lifting it. Stop stealing my chocolate. Fuck off, Galvin. <laughs> Stick it up your bollocks, you English cunt. I thought three weeks was a pretty good run, to be fair. <laughs> kind of a name's fucking Galvin, anyway. <laughs> the worst job I got was for some cowboy contractor who hired a group of us to strip acid off metal plates. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Really weird. What? Uh-huh. To do this, we were given a blowtorch, but no protective clothing. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> that's, the sort, that's what made him the man he yeah, is. Yeah, that's the kind of job I'd like to do. Um, if I wasn't doing this... Podcasting, podcasting. Which, which let's face it is no fucking job for a man at all is it no Jesus Christ look at the state of us we spending our days doing this we don't do much with our hands do Duh, we fucking hell we're an embarrassment to our gender we sometimes gesticulate yeah but that's about it we, you and I should be on a fucking oil rig away yeah. from our families yeah. for months on end yeah. living only with other dirty sweaty men yeah. doing physical work proper work proper work Dangerous work. Yeah. Huge waves crashing against the side of the rig as we do. I don't know what the fuck it is they do on these rigs. I'm, I Probably mean, fucking stripping acid off metal plates. As far as I fucking understand it, right? These oil rigs just they work automatically. I know there's got to be a big handle that you turn and then the oil comes up. What I'm saying is they don't need as many fellas on there as they've got. You've just so, talked us into the job and now you're talking us out of it. What I'm saying is I reckon it's just a big bumming club. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I got no problem with that because actually, if you're that way inclined, it's probably a right fucking laugh. Yeah. Go out into the middle of the ocean and just get pissed up and have it off in the middle of the sea. You got no one can get in touch with you. There's because fucking oil everywhere as well. People are fucking dirty, chasing you. You're for, covered in oil. Then you have to have a shower. Yeah. They, they get and, covered in oil again. Imagine that. And fucking it's like hell. if people are chasing you over unpaid bills or yeah. other just shit, yeah. you know, no one can get in touch with you. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're on a big fucking metal structure in the middle of the ocean. Sign up for an offshore and bumming club. All you're doing <laughs> is offshore bumming and getting pissed up. There's no old bill there. No. Right? It's lawless. It's fucking lawless. You can take as many drugs there as you want. You can do all sorts. You can take guns. You'd probably have guns, <laughs> and in the evening, you'd just fire guns and fireworks into the blackness of the sea, well, wouldn't you? Yeah. God. While, maybe whilst being bummed, you'd just be like, pow! <laughs> they, probably do, they, probably do non, they probably do heterosexual ones. They probably cover all the um, sexual tastes. Yeah, they probably have to by law. Sounds good, though. But as, as I was saying, though, me and you sit here yeah. gesticulating now and again and talking shit in the microphones yeah. for what for a, a meagre living. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's people out there stripping acid off metal plates. If I wasn't doing this, that was the original point I was going to do. If I wasn't doing this, the one thing I'd love to do would be demolition. If this yeah. podcast ever makes me a millionaire, I'm going to start a demolition company. Demolition or podcasting. That was what I said to my careers yeah. um, teacher at school. And he said, what's podcasting? I said, uh, exist? and I just tapped my nose. I went, you'll, you'll fucking see, pal. And then he stuck me in detention for that. <laughs> well, who's laughing now? Eh? Um, but I said to him, it's either that or demolition. Yeah. And he said, well, if, if I were you, I'd start pursuing the demolition thing because the other job hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> How far did you get with the demolition? Not fu- fucking nowhere. Applied no. for a couple, sent off my CV to yeah. a couple of people, but no, no response. Just the idea of blowing up some buildings that really appeals to me. Yeah, or or operating a wrecking ball. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Fucking hell. So, uh, so yeah, keep subscribing to our <laughs> Patreon, and one day, Sam and myself will realise our dream of becoming demolition. Well, we could set up a separate Patreon to just fund our. Because uh, people start up cool, and we're here broadcasting today. We're recording this in the heart of the British tech industry. Yeah, old Silicon old Roundabout Street. Yes, isn't it? And it's riddled with people doing startups. Going to any coffee shop, there's all sorts of cunts sat around doing uh, their startups. The majority of startups are pretty poncy that they do. Not ours. Not demolition because it's demolition startup. That's what we're calling Sam and Andy's demolition startup. Do you want to get involved in a wonderful new business venture? We have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Hello. We should hire George Weyer <laughs> to be our salesman. He'd be, he'd be the front new man. Business. We'll be the, the, the silent partners. This George is Weir's George Weyer, former African Footballer of the Year. <laughs> I have a wonderful opportunity for you. Would you like to invest? We could send him on Dragon's Den. Yeah. Peter Jones, (laughs) I have a wonderful opportunity for you. Are you familiar with the podcast Top Flight Time Machine? Do you have a pen? (laughs) Write this down. The two fellas behind the podcast are going into the demolition business. (laughs) (laughs) Duncan (laughs) Badatine. I don't know. Sure, I like the podcast, but... Will that translate into being capable at destroying buildings? <laughs> <laughs> Those fellas have got a neat turn of phrase. 
<laughs> but do they have this the organizational <laughs> capabilities required to put explosives all over a building and bring it down in one go? I suspect not. <laughs> and why aren't they here? Why have they sent former African Football of the Year, George Ware, to do their talking for them? <laughs> I have no answer to that. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> Please give me your banking details. <laughs> Jalapeño. So yeah, so he's stripping acid off metal plates with uh, a blowtorch and no protective clothing. Can I just say we are about 17 minutes into this episode and we ended the last one on page 11. We are now in the top half of page 12. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we can skip past quite a lot of this. No, 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 no. Let's let's give it all the the due diligence that it requires. All right. So anyway, back to unemployed Roy or semi-employed Roy. Uh, it was dangerous work, but paid money in hand, 50 quid a week. I stuck it for three months. So he was at Galvin's for three weeks and then stripping acid for three months. Yeah. Uh, then in the spring, I went potato picking. Bit of a cliche, but yeah. never mind. Cycling about 15 miles there and back. This was a killer, back-breaking work. The legacy being a bad back that still bothers me today. Fucking hell, Fucking from potato. Hell. Yeah. You'd think that was a wind-up if you said to Roy Keane, he goes, oh, I've got a terrible bad back. I've had it my whole life. Where'd you get it from? Potato picking. Hello, this is George Ware. <laughs> Have you suffered from a bad back? Picked up while picking potatoes as a young man. Maybe you could make a claim. Do you have a pen? Call 0800 George Ware back claims. <laughs> I might get that a card. Come to think of it, because the money would come in handy. Jalapeño. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. He then lists um, rejection letters for clubs where he's written for trials. And he's obviously kept them all to this day, which is... uh, that's a good thing, I think. It's the kind of thing that s- certain men would do and uh, instead of just dismissing them and moving on. But no, he's, he's kept them all and he's, he's he's written them all out in this book, or rather, Dunphy has. Right, have you got any letters of rejection that you got from football clubs? I reckon there could be a good 600 words in that. We could yeah. just drop into this thing. What do you mean, letters of rejection? When they told me, when they fucked me off. Yeah. yeah. No, not oh, really. I, I mean, I've got a wee shoebox. There's a t- 10, 20, t- but... but about four, four, five hundred letters, that not just from rejections from football clubs, but people who have um, upset me, said nasty things about me, doubted me over the years. I've got, I've got a big file on all of them. I call it my shitty box. 
It's buried there in the garden next it's to Triggs. It's more. It's not really. A, it's not really a box. It's more of a storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's letters from Derby County, letters from Sheffield Wednesday, Aston Villa, Chelsea. Um, Chelsea say, "I'm sorry to disappoint you, but would like to say that we do, along with most of the clubs, in other words, stop bothering us, have a large number of scouts watching games of all ages. And if you are good enough to become a professional footballer, you do have every chance of being." In inverted commas, spotted. Bollocks, typical fucking Chelsea, that is. So, Matt, I didn't know, and I suppose it's not the case anymore because I think nowadays people, you know, scouting works differently, but I didn't realise that there would have been a time where, as a kid, an an aspirant footballer, you literally just wrote on spec to Mm. famous professional clubs. Yeah. Dear Real Madrid, my name Mm. is Sam Delaney. I am a semi-regular substitute for the West London League under-12s, St. George's. I have managed to get on the pitch four to five times this season and practically every time embarrassed myself badly. (laughs) Nevertheless, I put this down to the inadequacy of the pitches and the fact that one time I had to pay in normal trainers, not boots, and the lack of studs just made me slip around like a cunt, to put it in the <laughs> words of my own manager. Uh, to play on your quality pitches out there in um, Madrid would be a great privilege. Please give me a chance. I imagine I would thrive yeah. in the right facilities. Exactly. Under the beautiful Weird, Spanish it? sunshine. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, we get lots of letters from people wanting to, to, to start podcasts with us, don't we, and wanting to join mm. in yeah. and get trials. And uh, we, we throw them all in the bin. All of them don't even open them. So why bother trying? No point. Listen, if you're good enough, which you're not, but if you are, you'll you'll be spotted by our scouts. Andy and I have scouts all over the country. Podcast network sitting in pubs over (laughs) trying to listen in on other blokes' conversations. Yeah, trying to hear if you've got quality banter. If there's a group of two or three white men sitting together, preferably middle class, we will home in on them, (laughs) listen for a bit, and if there's anything there. You'll yeah. get picked up. Then don't worry. You will get the no- you'll get the tap on the shoulder. It's like the um, you know the intelligence services do to undergraduates at Cambridge University. Yeah. You'll get a tap on the shoulder. Someone will whisper in your ear a code that might be Kanta or something like that. Yeah, you recognise it when it comes. Don't, don't punch them. Just walk. Just follow them, and yeah. then you'll be you'll you'll be a podcast. And we'll, we'll you put know. you on a fast track program where you will then do a series of podcasts where you interview other white middle class men <laughs> about fuck all about like their favourite album. Yeah, or their favourite like vegetable, and that sort of yeah. thing. And um, yeah, glory will will not be far away. Yeah. This is it. Oh, this is, this is a very evocative sentence. In those not too distant days when I'd lounged in bed till lunchtime, rising only for my daily episode of Neighbours, and when he says rising, I think we know what he means. Yeah, we all Daphne. remember that. We've all had a period like that in our lives. If Clean you gym. were a young man in the 80s or 90s, then you did rise just for Neighbours, sometimes twice a day, watching the repeat at 5.30. Exactly. Uh, he said I'd experienced the alternative to hard graft. I'd nearly slipped under. Oh. Hell, clang. I'd nearly slipped under. Under what, though? And to where? What do you mean here, Eamon, where you've written that I nearly slipped under? Well, I'm just saying that the, the way you, you explained it to me, you sounded like you, you might have been on the edge of some kind of episode. Episode of what? The only episodes I'm interested in is episodes of Neighbours. <laughs> yeah, maybe Faulty Towers once in a while, but that's it. 
I don't really understand this. Maybe I'll grow into it. I'm not sure. Um, and by this time, he'd signed for Cove Ramblers, which were the team, which um, the first professional team he played for. And he says that he had um, he'd grown in height and strength. I was no longer the little guy. In the course of a few short months, yeah. I'd grown from boy to man. Mentally, I had always had an edge. That was never in doubt. That was never in doubt. Mentally, up here, I always had it. No, it asked me, ma'am. Ask anyone who knew me. I had mental strength. I wonder if there's a little bit of short man syndrome at the heart of Definitely. all this. Yeah. Well, he, I say he, that he repeatedly five mentions seven, it. Five and and he, six and a half. Like, there's a thing where he says, you know, I don't know if he said it yet, but he, he says, you know, playing with older lads, bigger lads. He went, they were bigger than me, but, but my studs were the same size as theirs, and some of them didn't fancy it. <laughs> I'd know the muscle to back it up. Kamikaze man was transformed into a footballer. Don't forget, you've put kamikaze man here. No, that's not words I'd use myself. Oh, just a little bit of a flourish there, a little bit of a literary flourish, right? I'm not sure about you, Dunphy. I knew I should have gone with someone else, you know. It's going to be a ruddy dial next time, you've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> I would have got that James Joyce to write it, you know. But apparently he's unavailable. So I'm stuck with you here. <laughs> with your fucking kamikaze. You're writing it in fucking Chinese. And then he talks about a very, very significant match, which is 18th of February 1990. You can tell it's significant because he's put the date in the book. Uh, against Belvedere Boys, a top Dublin club. And they draw 1-1 in the first game. And... They were away for the replay. Everything went wrong from the start. Mm. The bus was late picking us up in Cove. The traffic was heavy. Most of the journey was spent looking anxiously at clocks and watches. Would we make it by kickoff time? We got to Fairview Park, an open windswept public park with only minutes to spare. We were knackered, beaten before we began. Belvedere hammered us 4-0. It was a fucking cock-up. <laughs> Mickey fucking mouse. Typical cork leaving the big boys from Dublin with a handy task which they accomplished in typically arrogant style. If I played like a demented man that day, it's because I was one. Fucking hell. Belvedere were big time and there was a large crowd to watch them. I played for myself. Even when I knew the game was lost, I kept going. I'd show those Dublin bastards that I could fucking play. Some days you can feel an appreciative vibe even of a hostile crowd. You can earn respect, however grudging. So the gut-aching feeling of failure, the same old story for us in Dublin, became just another pain barrier to push through. I was like a man possessed. I was like Basil Fawlty, <laughs> Fawlty Towers, by the strange <laughs> compound of anger, frustration and personal pride. <laughs> Afterwards, we went across the road to a pub for a glass of orange, a St. Clement's even, mm. and a sandwich. John O'Rourke, the Rambler's vice chairman, came and sat beside me. Roy... There was a scout from Nottingham Forest over there. He said they'd like you to go over for a trial. Dun, 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 dun. He says, my heart didn't leap. Where's the scout was my immediate reaction. Where's the fucking scout? <laughs> Bring him you in. You say there's a scout here. Let's fucking see the whites in his eyes. <laughs> You're making things up again. That's basically what he says in the book. If he was that impressed, why wasn't he here himself? <laughs> Where the fuck's he gone? Show yourself, you cunt. <laughs> Welcome to hell, I thought. <laughs> um, he'll be, he said they'll be in touch, John continued. He was merely conveying a message until I heard it from the real I'm McCoy. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> Why are you getting so angry with me? I thought you'd be happy. Well, I'm not fucking happy. <laughs> Get out of my sight. Stop talking. Get down to the train station and bring that scout back. 
I want to have a look at him. <laughs> Until I heard it from the real McCoy, I wasn't going to get excited. <laughs> a few weeks elapsed before I got a phone call from Cove asking me if I'd meet the forest scout, Noel McCabe. Noel McCabe calls himself. <laughs> and he met him in a hotel. Uh, I liked him as soon as we started chatting. He's offering me a trial. Not a contract, which isn't in his gift. He says, but you're a Forest-type player. You can pass the ball, simply work the boxes and score goals. You'll be all right with Brian Clough, Noel assures me. He strikes me as a genuine man. Have you noticed how he uh, slips into the present tense at this point? Yeah. From the past tense, all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, suddenly takes us into a scene where it's, it's happening there fault. and then. It's Dumpy's fault. The editor's fault. It's Dumpy's fucked up. Yeah. Or, or Keane has sort of transported himself while he's delivering this too because you know the way it works is Dumphy would have been sat with a tape recorder yeah. prompting him with questions and it might be that it's such powerful memory for Keane that he's like you know when people get hypnotised and they regress yeah. and they're actually there and they start even talking in a babyish voice <laughs> <laughs> Mammy yeah. Mammy I'm going to not to a police car Nottingham Want to meet up with Noel McCabe. Noel McCabe wants to meet like me. He seems like a nice man. He says he wants to meet me in a hotel in Dublin. Should <laughs> I go? I should go, Mummy. <laughs> Will you come with me and hold my hand, Mummy? <laughs> Maybe he's going to get me a job in one of them oil rigs you tell me about. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Sure, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just edit that bit out. <laughs> Maybe he's just sent a Dunphy. Dunphy, I want you to put this bit in as if it's happening now. Because <laughs> it still feels real. But but why? Because it, it'll be... Just put no, it! No, stop with your fucking questions. Give me a headache now, Dunphy. Just do what I say. I'll tell you when we switch back to it not happening now, to it happening in the past. I want it to be like one of them films where there's <laughs> stuff in the beginning that's like <laughs> happening now and then they go back to like The Godfather 2. Make I, it like that. When I bang on the table like this, Dunphy... That means you have to start writing it like it's happening now. And then when I bang again, just once, go back to the other way of doing it. And it could happen at any point, so I want you to keep your ears fucking open. No, not not to sleep, because I've seen you get yawning a couple of times. <laughs> so now he's excited. Yeah. He arrives at Nottingham, but there's no trial match. Oh, Every yeah. day I'm there, I anticipate the match. Every day I go through a training session with Archie Gemmell, the youth team coach. Where's Brian Clough? Liam O'Kane, Ronnie Fenton. Is this it? He Where's says, Brian Clough? Liam O'Kane? Randy Friend? I could go on. I know all the names. Gary Bertles. None of them are here. Where the fuck is Gary Bertles? Where's Peter Davenport? <laughs> After a week, I'm giving a ticket home. One way. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. If they're going to keep, they're going to give You're me a ticket. Really at all, they? Fucking we, hell. We want you to go home, then we want you to come straight back here again. <laughs> it's a test. <laughs> Uh, we'll be in touch, they tell me. How did it go? They asked me back in Cove. It didn't, I explained. Noel McCabe has contacted. He makes a call to Forrest. There's been a cock-up. I'll be going back in April. So he does. He goes back, trains with the reserves for a couple of days, and then gets picked for the reserves. Away at Tranmere in a Midland League game. The ground at Tranmere was empty. I didn't care, he says. I'd learned the trick of creating atmosphere in my head. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Like Russ oh. Abbott. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> That's not what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah. Fucking hell. Time to switch on the <laughs> atmosphere in my brain. The atmosphere machine. <laughs> As I call my brain. 
Mommy, I'm going to switch out the atmosphere machine now. Oh, I can feel the atmosphere upon me now, Mommy. Oh, it's taking over me. Oh, I'm ready, Mommy. I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's raging through my brain. Quick, put neighbours on. <laughs> so he played. He says, I played well, passed, ran, tackled, won balls in the air that I had no right to get. They took me off after 70 minutes. I'd been there before. Yet somehow this time I could tell the vibes were good. Next day, Brian Clough tells me he's going to try and sign me. Dun, dun, dun. Fucking hell. Arrangements are made for negotiations with Cove Ramblers. My fear is that they'll want too much. I thought I was worth £5,000. And... Um, they come out from Ireland, don't they? Delegation from Cobb Ramblers. Led by John Hollands, former Chelsea and England player. Yeah, well, this is interesting because John O'Rourke and Vice President of the club, John Mead, come over <clears throat> to do the deal with Forrest. Fine. But then it says... They enlisted the assistance of former Chelsea and England player John Hollins, who was familiar with such deals. Ooh, I don't know. This sounds what? like a right black to me. <laughs> well, Brian Clough's involved. Familiar like, with such but, deals. But this is Cobb Rambler. So John Hollins gone, uh, I hear you've got a young lad coming over to speak to Forrest. Now, you'll probably want me to be involved to broker the deal because you're just a like, bunch of paddies who won't understand all the sharp manoeuvrings of us English football <laughs> types. And they're going, oh, all right then. They should have said... Fuck half, John Hollins. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? From but an England player. I think I think we know how to sell our own fucking player to Brian Clough. <clears throat> so uh, Clough, Clough appears at the negotiations and Roy says, he wore an old green sweater, which we've all seen, and had his golden retriever with him. As I played with the dog, the rest talked money. Me and the dog were negotiating ourselves. <laughs> we came up with a much better deal than Forrest did. <laughs> And I tell you, there was another dog that didn't talk shite, but they had no idea who I was either, which I didn't like. Yet. <laughs> I said, don't worry, you may not have heard my name yet, boy, but you will soon. <laughs> he says, we were t- there, there they were talking real money. 20 grand up front, another 10 grand after 10 first team games, and a further 10 grand when I played 20 games for Forest. Another 7 grand will go to Cove when I've won five Irish caps. You've got a good deal, Mr Clough, I heard John O'Rourke say. The money's not going in your own back pockets, is it, Clough barked? <laughs> Mr Clough, we've had to take a day off work to come over here. It's costing us money, John O'Rourke replied. In other words, we're trousering all of it. Yeah, they're fucking bollocks anyway, yeah. And then uh, Clough says to Ronnie Fenton, OK, Ronnie, give him the money. This has been a cash deal, OK, then, Ronnie, give him the money. This has been a cash deal. Yeah, Ronnie Fenton money in this, produced in the, the holdall. <laughs> That's what's hinted at, isn't it? Yeah. And then he says, you can call me Brian, now let's have a drink. Turning to me and the dog, he snapped, except for you, you'll call me Mr. Clough. I didn't know if he was talking to me or the dog. <laughs> Either way, I thought we'd a bit of calling Mr. Clough then. Welcome to hell, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> they broke the mould when they created this guy, I thought to myself. And he was on 250 quid a week. 50 quid of that right. would be rent on the house he'd be sharing with two other players. Signing on fee of one and a half grand a year. Uh, to be honest, he says I would have signed for a fraction of those terms. As it was, I felt like I'd won the pools. And there we are. We'll leave it at that point. He signed for Nottingham Forest. Things can only get better for Roy Morris Keane. Exciting stuff. Tune next, in for the next the, one. The next exciting chapter mentions Kylie at quite an early stage yeah. and also is riddled with stories about um, him and his relationship with Brian Clough. So you've got all that to look forward to. If you are a member of the Iron Violin Society, we salute you. If not, then you'll be listening to this God knows when and go fuck yourself. Bye-bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.